Good morning and welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. My name's Craig. I'm the senior pastor here, and I'm so glad to be back. Missed you guys for the last couple of weeks. My family and I uh, were in Latvia visiting uh, one of our missionaries there, and then we got stuck in an airport last, last weekend, and I missed you again last Sunday. But I'm so glad that I can be gone and we don't miss a beat here. Thankful for Adam and others that step in and make sure that everything goes off without a hitch. If you have your Bibles, in just a moment, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And as you are turning in that direction, I want to dra- uh, uh, mention just a couple of announcements first. At 4 o'clock today, we do have a Next Steps class. If you visit with us once or twice or 25 times and you're curious about what it might look like to be a part of Malvern Hill, I'd love to meet with you this afternoon and talk to you about that. I'll meet you right here in the sanctuary at 4 o'clock, and we'll step into a classroom just off the side there. Uh, but at 4 o'clock this afternoon, we will meet in here, and we will address those things. So please plan to be with me. Uh, I would really enjoy that. Uh, number two, our trunk or treat is around the corner. We need your help. So we need two things from you. First of all, uh, many of you have not signed up, and uh, I, I represent that remark. I also had to sign up, so I acknowledge that I did not. I know that y'all will show up, but you give us anxiety when we look at it and there's like six names and we need 30. So if you would help us by just signing up and letting us know that you're coming, then you don't have to worry about making anyone anxious. Second thing is we need a lot of candy. So if you can help us with that, you can buy some and drop it off. You can order it on Amazon and have it drop shipped here and you don't even have to touch it. Uh, We will also just send somebody out from here and buy a whole bunch so you can even just... Um, you know, put a $100 bill in the offering plate if you want to and say for candy and we'll spend it on that. But um, if you can help us, that would really help us out. Remember, we do our trunk or treat. It gives us an opportunity. People show up here. They come here and we get to give them candy and share the love of Jesus with them. So it's just one of the little things we do each year to try and love people in our community. So please plan to be a part of that. It's on Halloween night on the 31st. So I'd appreciate it if you would make plans uh, to be a part of that in all the ways that are possible. Finally, we have some needs in our church. Our life group leaders either did or will um, in the next week receive an email talking about some particular needs that we have in our children's ministry and in our new special needs ministry called All Access. Uh, What we recognize is there are probably some folks, now we know that there's some folks in our church that probably have some gifting and some calling in those areas, and we're not doing as good of a job as we probably should have done at equipping you and, and sort of lining you up to be in those places where you have some gifts and callings. So we're asking our life group leaders to help identify those folks. Um, so life group leaders, please make sure that you open that email from Pastor Kevin and help us with that. Um, and if you feel a, a calling, uh, if you feel a gifting in, in those areas in particular, man, we want to get you plugged in. So let us know in the office. You can let Miss Rhonda know. You can let Aaron know, Aaron Taylor. Or you can just contact the church office. You can grab me on the way out and you can tell me and I'll try to remember it. But um, if you would help us with that. Uh, that would be wonderful. And life group leaders, please make plans to help us to identify those folks. And uh, we want you to feel comfortable serving within your giftedness right here within our church. All right, having said that, we are in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to begin reading in verse 8. Uh, maybe you'll recall that we have been in the Ten Commandments now, what should be our fourth week. Pastor Adam preached uh, a couple of weeks ago on uh, the commandment of not taking the Lord's name in vain. I was planning to preach this sermon last week, but uh, Delta got in the way of that. There was a bad fuel gauge on a plane. They apparently don't want you flying if they don't know how much gas is in the thing. So uh, I had to get that resolved. I was really grateful for that, for the record. Um, but uh, So this week we're picking back up in the Ten Commandments with Exodus chapter 20, speaking about the 
Sabbath. So if you would stand with me in honor of God's word, I'm going to read to you Exodus 20, beginning in verse 8. Hear now, for this is the word of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to accept your word. Change us where we need to be changed. Reprimand us, Lord God, where we need reprimand. Father God, encourage us where we are weak. Lord God, give us the courage to take you at your word. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Is Sabbath a big deal? Just to be totally honest, when I'm preaching to a bunch of Christians, I probably couldn't preach on anything that puts me on thinner ice than the Sabbath, other than maybe to talk to y'all about tithing. I start talking about tithing, and people start staring at the ground. We start talking about Sabbath. People begin to really not make good eye contact. Sometimes we get excuses. But is Sabbath a big deal? I, you know, God seems to think so. God seems to think so. As a matter of fact, he, he thought it was such a big deal that the command to Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. Now, the word Sabbath, the Hebrew word Shabbat, just means stop or cease. It's literally what it means. So the Sabbath really is a stopping point. Stop what you're doing. Is it a big deal? God thought it was a big enough deal to make it a part of the Ten Commandments, but it's also such a big deal that the Bible even compares the Sabbath to Christ's saving work, as Pastor Buster read to us just a minute ago from the book of Hebrews. We venerate the Ten Commandments. For some reason, we often try to rule out the Fourth Commandment. We, we sort of pretend like it's no longer binding. One reason we often don't practice the Sabbath is because we as followers of Christ in the New Covenant don't worship on the seventh day anymore. Christians don't worship on the Sabbath, which traditionally has been Saturday. Instead, we worship on Sunday. The reason we worship on Sunday and have worshipped on Sunday really since the beginning of the Christian movement is because it was the day that Jesus rose from the grave. It's the Lord's Day. But just because we don't worship on the Sabbath anymore, that doesn't mean that the Sabbath principles are no longer binding. The reality is often we don't rest on the Sabbath or any other time because we don't want to rest. To rest is to acknowledge our own finiteness. To rest is to reckon with our own frailty. Or even to stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. If I can rest, then I might not be that important. If I can rest, then others might find they can live without me. If I rest, I may be making a decision to be comfortable with owning fewer things or with doing less. If I can take a day off or delegate tasks or turn off my phone, then maybe I'm not that important. Maybe I'm replaceable. Our lack of Sabbath is rooted in our lack of faith. Lack of faith that God is enough. 
Lack of faith that his plan is right. We replace our faith in him with faith in ourselves. We replace our faith in him with a faith and a confidence in our own ability and our own efforts. It's difficult when preaching on Sabbath to decide which direction to take. Do I focus on our needs for Sabbath or on God's command for Sabbath? Do I preach on rest? Is it possible even to preach on rest without everybody feeling like they got to work that much harder just to honor God's commandment? How do I preach on rest without ever making everyone feel overwhelmed for not taking enough rest? Is it possible to rest without rest becoming a burden? How do we avoid our efforts at relieving stress becoming stress-inducing? I had this conversation with somebody just this week. He said, I, I took a vacation and I came back more tired and stressed out than when I left. I said, man, what did you do? I was waiting to tell me, you know, he had to go visit family or something. He said, well, we went to Disney. I said, why? I know some of y'all love Disney. I get it. Like, I, got, I get the eye darts. That's fine. But here's the reality. You don't, you don't leave and go to a theme park for six days hoping to rest. You might go to have a good time. It might be the most wonderful place on earth for you. But oftentimes, we're running after all these vacation ideas because somebody else did. Everybody else said we needed to take the cruise. Everybody else said we need to go hike the Grand Canyon. The reality is that you might just need to go stare at a tree for three or four days. You may need to go sit by the ocean for three or four days. Sometimes we actually need a vacation and not a trip. Sometimes we need to rest rather than fill our Instagram feed with pictures from the places that everybody else wishes they were. We tend to vacillate, however, between restrictive formalism and unbridled freedom. I stole that phrase from Alistair Begg, and it's excellent. When it comes to Sabbath, this is especially true, but God's given us the Sabbath for worship and for rest. But how do we get there? How do we figure out what we're going to do? Everybody shows up here looking for me to give you a list. You won't get one. You're going to be disappointed before this day is over. But we want the list because we sort of tend to vacillate. We either are super restrictive or we just give total freedom. Well, I see this a lot of times in our, in our efforts to raise children. As a matter of fact, I saw myself go too far in one of these as it relates to our teenagers not too long ago. We think about something like teenage relationships, and we're trying to help our kids navigate relationships. And, and as a pastor, I do a lot of premarital counseling, and one of the things that breaks my heart is to see a 25-year-old young man or young lady come in and just be brokenhearted as they're looking forward to their wedding day, and they're brokenhearted about mistakes they made when they were 16, 17, 18 years old. And that, broke, that breaks my heart. And so for the longest time, what I've just said is that, listen, you know, teenagers just shouldn't date, and then we don't have to worry about any of these mistakes that they make. And that felt really good, right? I could control them, and then everything is fine. Here's the problem. I, I couldn't actually make that, that argument. And then, then I began to recognize that in doing that, I was creating some other problems, right? They were going, well, Pastor Craig, we're going to do what you said. But then they were turning like 18 or 19, and they didn't have any idea how to have a conversation with somebody of the opposite sex because they have been listening to me. Well, the other side of that would be to come over here and say, well, I'm just hands off. There's no, there's no we're not going to do any kind of, of, of rules. We're going to trust our children. Parents, don't trust your kids. That is dumb. They will lie to you, right? They are filled with raging hormones. Don't trust them. Give them all sorts of fences and barriers, right? They need curfews and they need chaperones. 
So, but but we, we tend to do this. We tend to do this with our kids. It's like, I don't want them to get a skint knee, so I, I would not let them do all these other things, right? So I've got the parents that just say, don't ever leave my house. And then the others that are like, well, you just do whatever you want to do. Folks, in the happy middle is where we got to find ourselves. Living into the reality that some of the hardest lessons that we learn are the best lessons that we learn. Recognizing that if we don't skin our knee, we won't learn some things. And for our kids and for others, they, they, unfortunately, even as we pray. So when it comes to something like Sabbath, we tend to vacillate between the two. We tend to vacillate between this restrictive legalism that says, do not do any of these things. And then this absolute liberty that says, it's completely fulfilled, so you don't need to worry about it at all. What if the truth of the matter is that what if the truth of the matter is that the Sabbath matters and there's a middle ground where we honor Christ's fulfillment while also honoring God's law? What if there's a middle ground where we honor Christ's fulfillment while we also recognize that God has created us in a particular kind of way. God's given us the Sabbath. And he's given it to us for worship and for rest. Specifically, he's given us the Sabbath to remember. It's the only commandment of the ten that we get remember. Remember. Now there's a difference in this remembering. This remembering isn't like the remembering. If y'all remember from the Lion King, remember Simba, remember. Why, don't, why is nobody laughing at this? It, was all, it fell on deaf ears in the first service too. I thought y'all would be better than them. Y'all have all let me down, right? But there's sort of this, this sort of Eastern mysticism wrapped up in that idea. Remember what's inside yourself. Now the Sabbath isn't about remember what's inside yourself. We remember who we are, who God is, and what God's done. But we're remembering. How does God command us to keep the Sabbath? He commands us to remember. Remember the Sabbath. Remember who we were. Remember what God has done. Remember who God is and what we've become. But why? I like the way that Philip Graham Riken helped me to understand this a little bit better. He said, remembering involves more than just our memories. It demands the total engagement of our whole person in the service of God. Remembering the Sabbath is kind of like remembering your wife's anniversary or her birthday. Angela's birthday was a few weeks ago. and She turned 29. It's great. Um, but her birthday was a few weeks ago. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. Remembering her birthday doesn't mean that I go, oh yeah, it's your birthday. Good job. Remembering her birthday actually is a, is a holistic experience. To remember her birthday means that I, I had enough thought that went into it to honor her birthday. So her birthday was on a Wednesday. On Tuesday night after his practice, me and Sloan stopped by the store and picked up a card for Angela. And the kids signed the card. I got Angela some flowers and all the things. So that, that the remembering of her birthday was to honor her birthday. When the Bible says that we are to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. It's not just, oh yeah, God, got it. No, 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 just remember, acknowledge holistically to make it an important part of who we are. Remembering the Sabbath means using the day to show our love for the Lord in a special way by devoting our most valuable resource to Him. And our most valuable resource is our time. So what's it look like for us to 
What's it look like for us to honor the Sabbath? How do we answer the question, is Sabbath a big deal? First thing for us to do is to remember what you were. Remember what you were. Israel was a slave in Egypt. And as a slave in Egypt, the Sabbath, Shabbat, stop, was not a harsh command for Israel to honor. It was a gift that God gave them. Imagine a slave where you don't get days off. You just have somebody with a whip driving you to put out more and more bricks, build more bricks and bricks and bricks. The same day, the same thing over and over and over again. The only reward for your labor is the fact that you get to get up and do it all over again the next day. And the Lord says to them when he delivers them from Egypt, you were a slave, you no longer are. And then he says, remember the Sabbath day. What a privilege, what a gift. You get a day off. You get a day of rest. No longer was their value to be seen in what they could provide and how much they could work. Suddenly, Israel's value was rooted in their identity as children of God. You understand, God could have saved them and left them as orphans, but He didn't. He saved them and then He made them His own. Remember the Sabbath. Remember who you were. Remember the incredible gift of rest that you have been given. And, and as we consider Israel, it's important not only for Israel to remember who they were, but for you to remember who you were. You were a slave to your sin. You were a slave to your sin. Now, listen, I don't have to explain this for folks that have battled addiction. They, they completely understand how their addictions controlled every thought. But I do discover a lot of times that others don't really like that word. I, 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 and, and the reason that we don't like that word is because we think of ourselves as a slave to sin and then we go, well, what about my free will? I could do whatever I want. Well, here's the problem. The Bible says this, not Craig's word. These are Bible's words. It's even a little bit stronger than that, Ephesians chapter 2, when it says that you were dead in your sins and your trespasses. When you consider who you were, you were completely owned, occupied, and dominated by your sin. We don't like to acknowledge that. Because that gets in my pride. No, I could have stopped any time I wanted. How many of y'all said that before, right? I can stop any time I want. It's funny how sin grabs a hold of us and refuses to let us go. Egypt was, excuse me, Israel was a slave in Egypt. They were in desperate need of somebody to set them free. They needed somebody from the outside to come in and to release them. And that's absolutely what you and I needed. Somebody bigger, stronger, holier, and mightier than us to come in. You and I were slaves to our sin. We were hopelessly lost and in the need of a Savior. Hopelessly lost and in the need of a Savior. And in that hopelessness, we recognize that there was a desperate need for somebody else to step in. We're seeing this play out in real time with the Israel and, and, and Hamas tragedy right now. We have... Those who are being held captive against their will and are in desperate need for someone else to rescue them. Their hope is wrapped up in somebody else being able to deliver them. And y'all, your hope was wrapped up only in someone else being able to deliver you from your sin and your shame. Remember what you were. Remember who you were. But remember who you are as well. In addition to all of those things about the sin that you were in and the redemption that Christ bought for you, you also need to remember that you are a created being, whether you like it or not. You're not the God of your own story. 
You were created by the holy God of the universe. And when he created you, he got to determine exactly how it is that you would operate. Uh, I had to grab this mic. I use this microphone every Sunday morning. It's a crazy thing. When the batteries are dead, it doesn't work. It's wild. Like I can will it all I want to be something else, but the reality is that it was created in such a way that it needs batteries and they have to be changed regularly for it to work. Well, the Bible says that we've been created in such a way that we have a need for rest. God's created us to need it. It doesn't matter if you like that or not. You need it. Not only do you need it, you are an image bearer of God. And so this command is rooted also in creation. It says that the Lord labored for six days and on the seventh day he rested. As God's image bearers seeking to reflect his image to the world around us, we should reflect him even in our patterns of work. Even in our patterns of rest. Listen, when we think about resting... That really doesn't feel very good sometimes because our pride says, no, don't do that. You don't need it. But the funny thing is that the Bible says that we do. You see, it may be really good and American to not rest regularly, but it is not good and godly to not rest regularly. There's a responsibility here. So remember what you were. The second thing this morning, remember who God is. Remember I said he is the creator and the Sabbath command is rooted in God's role as creator. Y'all, that means not only has he created us, that means he's created the other people around you to need this rest. The people in your life need this rest. Your children, parents, need this rest. <laughs> this is why we sometimes as parents have to look at our children and say, no, no, you're not doing anything today. Right? You're going to do this. You're going to rest. I don't know if you've ever tried to tell, like, you know, an 8, 9, 10-year-old little boy that he needs to rest. It's an exciting thing. Um, it, it is wonderful. You look at a middle school kid and say, you need, to you need to rest. I mean, it is like you just absolutely slapped them in the face. Um, why? Because their flesh screams, no, I don't. Their sinful pride says, I don't need to rest. Their fear of missing out says, I don't need to rest. And what's really bad is so often we are no better than a 13-year-old boy. Right? Remember who God is. God is the creator, and the Sabbath command is a command rooted in God's role as creator. Not only is God creator, God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and that matters, because our sovereign has commanded that we rest. Let me just ask you this question. If the king makes a command, and you don't do what he commands, do we call that disobedience? I think so. And when we consider what it is to disobey God, I believe we actually call that sin. Now You're following my logic here. To refuse to rest is at least potentially sinful. Now, the only way to avoid this being sin is if perhaps this law is no longer binding. Matthew chapter 12, turn there with me if you would. The first book in the New Testament. So if you have a hard time finding it, it's okay. You can always use the table of contents. Nobody here will judge you for that. 
A lot of folks, a lot of folks learned to, to use their Bible well by starting with a table of contents, helping to find it. Matthew chapter 12. I'm actually going to read um, verses 9 through 14 first. Then we're going to go back and read the first part. He says, the Bible says, He went on from there and he entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful that they might accuse him? He said to them, which one of you has a sheep if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath? Will not take hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. All right, so as I've told you that I believe that it's absolutely necessary for us to engage in Sabbath. Perhaps you're curious, you're questionable. You say, well, Craig, that sounds really good, but I'm a nurse. So, Craig, what does that mean for me? I'm a police officer. What's it mean for me? Because I've got to work on Sunday. Well, Jesus says this right here. Is it, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Sometimes your sheep falls into a ditch. Sometimes you are the person who's responsible at the hospital for somebody else to live and die. We need you to be at the hospital, okay? I need you to make sure that those people have the oxygen they need. That's important. There are things that are going to take you away from worship. There are things that are going to take you away from Sabbath. So the real question is not what takes me away without option. The real question is what do you do on all the other opportunities you have? Okay? So there's that. But then we're going to go back up beginning in chapter 12, verse 1. It says, At that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Uh, his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look! Your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God, and he ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the, uh, the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus did not do away with the Sabbath. The only thing Jesus did was correct misunderstandings of the Sabbath. He says to the Pharisees, the Sabbath doesn't exist so that you can lord your crazy rules over somebody else. He says the Sabbath doesn't exist so that we can continue to allow suffering in the world around us. In other places, you're going to say Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for us. So then what do we do with that? In the Old Testament, we, we generally break down the Old Testament law into three categories. You've got the, the civil law, the ceremonial law, and the moral law. All right. So the civil law has to do with those laws that were specifically geared toward... The, the, the government of the nation of Israel. right? We are no longer the nation of Israel. Those laws are not binding on us. There are some, they're theonomists is the word they would use, that believe that the Old Testament law should be used as a law code and bearing on uh, Western culture, for instance. I, I don't believe the Bible supports that at all. So these are not binding laws civilly. The other law is a ceremonial law. In the ceremonial law would be things especially directed towards something like the sacrifices and, and the ceremony of worship in the Old Testament. What we understand from the New Testament, especially from that passage that Pastor Buster read to us this morning, and the book of Hebrews gives us a lot of understanding about this, is that so much of the Old Testament law 
was looking forward to Jesus. It was a shadow of what Jesus was going to become. So if the Sabbath is a civil law, then that's no longer binding on us because that was something for the nation of Israel. If it's a more a, a ceremonial law, then it's been fulfilled in Christ and it's no longer binding. But if it is a moral law, then the moral laws continue to hold sway. Something, for instance, don't murder. That's a moral law. Okay? It's also civil in some degree, but you see how those things come to bear. So the question is, what is the Sabbath? A lot of people say, well, Sabbath was just ceremonial and civil. It was all about the ceremony of worship in the Old Testament, and then it was something to keep order in the nation of Israel. The problem is that you neglect to recognize that it's also part of the moral law. As a matter of fact, it was so, so ingrained in the morality of the people. One commentator says that the Sabbath is the great leveler in Israeli or in Jewish society. It's sort of social justice in this time. And this is why. Because in the Sabbath, it wasn't just a command that you remember that you are to rest. It was a command that the people who work for you are to rest. It was a command that even your animals are to rest. This is what takes place with that Sabbath law. Jesus corrects this misunderstood purpose of the Sabbath and helps us to understand that the Sabbath, Sabbath exists so that we can worship and so that we can rest, so that we can practice mercy and ministry in the world around us. We worship on the Lord's Day and spend time with God's people and then we remember who God is and we remember who we are and we're led to reflect on just how desperately we need Him. That's what we do in these acts of worship. Now, let's take a deep breath because I just said a whole lot, right? There's also some things that we have to correct about our understanding of Sabbath. Sabbath means stop and it means rest. But that's not the only thing in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. We are to remember not only to rest, but we're also to remember the Lord. Right? So, <clears throat> that means... Now, again, I'm using Sabbath, but, but we recognize that we observe it on the Lord's Day. That means that our Sabbath should be restful, but it should also include corporate worship. It's the time that God calls us back together. So, brace yourselves. This isn't going to be comfortable. Okay? I've heard this before. We took a month off church because we were just so tired and needed to rest. Okay, That's not what the Sabbath is. If you can find your rest apart from the Lord and the people of the Lord, you might not belong to the Lord. If you believe that your rest can be found separated from the things of the Lord and the people of God, then I would urge you to find your rest in Christ. The rest that you're grasping for is merely a passing experience as opposed to that eternal rest that Pastor Buster read about in the book of Hebrews. We worship and we Sabbath to remember who God is. And we reflect upon who He is when we gather with our church family. Remember who He is. Reflect on it. Celebrate it. Then finally, remember what God has done. You ready for this? He saved you so that you could experience a relationship with Him. 
He saved you so that you could experience a relationship with Him. Y'all, He didn't save you so that you would leave Him alone. Right? It's not like y'all got married, you said I love you, and you didn't look at each other for the next 25 years. Nobody thinks that's a healthy relationship. I hope you don't. And if you do, see me afterward. We need to talk. Right? But that's also not a healthy Christianity. Jesus didn't, the Lord didn't just save Israel from Egypt. He redeemed them. He made them his own. And that's what he did with you. He could have delivered you from death, hell, sin, and the grave and just left you alone. But he didn't do that. He delivered you from that and then claimed you as his own. And he desires not only for that relationship to be objective, but to be subjective and experiential. He actually desires to spend time with you, to change you, to make you, to mold you. God is both Savior and Redeemer. And in His redemption, He has made you and remakes you over and over and over again. And He calls us to remember. But He doesn't just call us to remember. How about this? He makes a way for all people to experience the fullness of Sabbath rest in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4, 9, and 10, as Pastor Buster read, says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Jesus says to us, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What an incredible privilege that the children of Israel hear from the Lord there as they stand at the base of Mount Sinai. When he calls them to regular rest, what he's saying to them is, you don't have to work to earn my favor. Remember, I am the Lord your God. Remember, that's the covenant name of God. I am your God who brought you out of the house of bondage. And then he gets to the fourth commandment, and it is rest. Your identity is not rooted in your ability to do things for the Lord. Your identity is rooted in His willingness and ability to redeem you from your sin and your shame. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Christ is your ultimate Sabbath and in Him you can rest from your toils and your strife. But does that mean that you do not need rest? Years ago, I had somebody that was questioning me about some of our, uh, I mean, this has been 15 years ago, uh, our staff people. And I said something about the fact that one of our staff members had not taken all of their vacation time. And this person said, man, I respect them a lot more now. Well, I was young and dumb and really hadn't contemplated the Sabbath as I should have what I wish I had done in that moment was to take a moment to lovingly reprimand my brother and to say it's not a celebration when somebody refuses to rest I went I did my undergrad at a very uh, theologically liberal undergraduate institution I had a, uh, a, an academic advisor who remained friends with who I remained friends with for years even though we were on very opposite ends of the theological spectrum but she said to me one day, she said, she said, Craig, she said it to me when I became your pastor. That's when she said it. I recall that now. She said, model Sabbath rest before your people. Well, at 26, I didn't really recognize how important that would be. But I needed to hear it. 
And I needed to hear it because the Bible says that Sabbath is a big deal. Now, the Bible teaches us that for the Old Testament people, their lives were to be modeled after God in such a way that their weekly rhythms and routines look like six days of work and toil and one day to celebrate and enjoy the Lord. One day for worship and for rest. But we, we tend to think that we can do it all on our own, that we got it all figured out. And look, as your pastor, when I'm told I need to model it, can I just be honest with you? My pride gets in the way of a whole lot of that. Why? Because I know what y'all say about your pastor. They say it don't work. I get it. Work two days a week. Somebody laugh, please. I appreciate it. Too many of y'all believe that, right? Um, but I, I, I know the perception of pastors sometimes, right? I do. And because of that, sometimes, sometimes in the past in particular, I've been, I've been nervous. Let's just say what it is. I've been scared and uncomfortable to talk much about Sabbath, about needing rest. Because I wanted to put on a perception to the whole world about just how hard I worked. I didn't want anybody to question that. And if I talk too much about rest, then somebody might question whether or not I was actually putting in the work. I've seen NFL coaches say some dumb things. Y'all ever seen some of these NFL coaches that want to pretend like they're so, so important? It's like, I haven't showered in six days. I've been sleeping at the office. I'm like, man, you're an idiot. Why? Go home. Take a shower. But there's this idea in our world that we need to show everybody just how hard we're working. I took a Sabbath here about five years ago because our deacons looked at me and they're like, hey man, you don't look good. You need to take some rest. Initially, I just opposed that. No, I, I don't need that. I'm okay. Why? Because we all buy what our culture's selling. That the prize goes to the one that works the hardest and works the longest. And that if I rest, then the world might just pass me by. What's the problem? The problem with that is that it might be American, as I said earlier, but it is not Christian and it is not biblical. See, my identity is not rooted in how many hours I work. My identity is not rooted in how much I accomplish or how much money I make. My identity is rooted, first and foremost, in a God who sent His Son to die on a cross to save me from my sin. My identity is as a child of the King. So I ask you, is Sabbath a big deal? I'm going to answer it with another question. Is God part of your life or are you part of God's life? See, Sabbath isn't a big deal if God is just something that you need to work into your schedule when it fits. Sabbath isn't a big deal if, if worship is that thing you do when there's not a ball game or when there's not something else, or there's not time at the lake, or there's not all those other things, then, then, then guess what? Sabbath isn't that big a deal, because in that place, God's just another box that you're checking, and you're squeezing Him into your schedule. But if you are a part of God's life, and if God is orienting your life, and if that is your expectation for your life, then Sabbath must be a big deal. Because it's a big deal to the Lord. So do you make a regular effort to remember? Why do we need it? Why is it so important? I think it's probably summed up in one of my favorite hymns. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. 
prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Why do we need regular Sabbath? Why do we need regular worship? Why do we need our lives to fit a rhythm that matches our Lord? Because we are prone to wander and to forget and to reject. We are prone to put God in a box that we try and fit into our schedule rather than put ourselves into the box that God has made for us and live our lives in accordance with His purposes and His expectations. Is Sabbath a big deal? How tired are you? See, Sabbath is the promised rest that the Lord offers. Some of you have ran from it for far too long. And you know that when Jesus said, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, you know what it is to be weary and heavy laden. You know what it is to desperately need to rest in Christ. To stop your striving and your ceasing. To stop trying to earn God's love or God's favor. To stop trying to earn the favor or the love of somebody else. To stop trying, stop trying to outdo everyone else. To start resting. I'm not going to give you a list. I know everybody showed up here for that today. You don't get it. What's right or wrong doing the Sabbath? I do all kinds of things on my rest day that none of y'all are going to do. I might squat 400 pounds on a rest day. And y'all think that's dumb. That's okay. I don't care. That's good for me. It helps me to clear my brain. I enjoy that. I'm not going to tell you. Is it right or wrong to go eat lunch? On Sundays when you leave church. You know, that's something that you've got to come to terms with. Here's the problem. Too many believers have never stopped to think what matters on the Sabbath. List of rules? Oh, that would be easy. But the Sabbath wasn't made for rules. The Sabbath was made for worship and rest. The purpose of the Sabbath is to connect you with your Savior. And if you're here today and your soul is weary, the purpose of Jesus is to rescue you from your bondage to slavery and to welcome you into his family where you can find rest and peace. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I would love to introduce you to Jesus. But if you're a follower of Jesus today, and Sabbath has just been another day. My hope and prayer for you today is that you would stop, as the word commands, and consider, God, how would you have me spend this time, my most precious resource, to honor you? Lord, how can I put myself in a rhythm where I'm imitating you, Lord, where I'm experiencing your rest on a regular basis, when I stop worrying about what everybody else thinks and I start focusing on what you demand, how might we serve him with our rest? Pray with me this morning. Father God in heaven, we love you and praise you and thank you so much. I thank you for the rest that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the hope that he offers. Pray, Father, that you would help us to rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with us as we sing.